Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone doing? Excellent. Doing great. Thank you. Thanks for asking. That rarely gets done. Okay. So we're in the series. Frankie did a good job of introing it a while ago. And as I was contemplating it, let's, well, let's do this. Let's read the scripture. And then I want to make some kind of generalization statements about it that maybe we haven't realized. Therefore, we're in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about Christ, let us press on to maturity, not laying again a foundation. Foundation repentance from dead works of faith toward God, of instruction about washing, laying of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Now, what that's saying is that if you know Jesus Christ, and we did that the other week when we started this, if you're here and you know know Jesus Christ, in fact, the very first one, whoops, there we go, the very first one, repentance from dead works, if you don't know that, you are not a child of God. If you do not know what it is to repent, you are not a child of God. You may not understand all the aspects and nuances of that teaching, but you have to have come to some place of repentance to actually be in the kingdom of God. That is a absolute, absolute certainty. So that being said, Once that has taken place in your life, then you began to build on your foundation. And by the way, as you read this, please understand, this is not written to those who may be in ministry. This is not written to those who may be in some form of missionary service. This is written to every, every, every person who has ever, ever, ever come to know Jesus Christ as a personal Savior and made him Lord of their life. Did you get that? It's important that you do. Now, I realize something. And I, I got to tell you, it breaks my heart to realize it. Some of the very foundational teachings that are here are not taught in all the churches. How sad that is. That these, according to the Word of God, are essential and basic and necessary for us to be in the relationship with God and to build and grow to maturity. And yet some of these are not even taught, not even practiced in certain traditions, religious traditions. And it may be that you came from those. Now, all of this and all of the scripture you have to understand is the work of the Holy Spirit and his application of that to our lives in a very practical sense. So that being the case, I have to confess that the church tradition that I grew up in as a child had nothing whatsoever to do with the Holy Spirit. It just wasn't the case. And so then as a new believer in Christ who actually started reading the Bible for myself, and that's why it is imperative 
that you read the Bible for yourself. You do not come in here. You do not assume that those of us who are proclaiming the Word of God from this platform are doing it all right as we should. Yes, that is our heart. Yes, that is our plan. And yes, we're very careful about that. But you never assume that. I don't care where you are, whether it's on TV, radio, wherever, internet, here. You never, 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 did you get that part? Never assume. It's such a tragedy that we will take the word of man and never take the time to do the word of God. So, this morning, we're going to skip one, come back to it next week, the one about the instructions about washing, which is baptism, and I'm going to move to the laying on of hands. And I realize that's what made me think about it. There are folks that have been raised in religious traditions where there's no laying on of hands. Now, I did not, I promise you, I did not bring all the references of laying on hands. I give, I'm giving a sampling I am believing, hoping, and praying that each of you will take some time to study the Scripture. It's so much easier now. Just put in laying out a Scripture about laying out of hands, and boom, you got it. You can read it. It's there for you. Laying out of hands. So let's start like this. How many of you have these? Raise them up. David, raise them up. Thank you. <laughs> How many of you have these? Raise them up. Hold them up. Please. I ask you. Hold them up. Now, I want you to do this. I want you to turn them in like that and look at them. Can you do that? Everybody doing that? Now, let me tell you what. You know what you, you, know what you have before you? You have instruments of righteousness. Did you get that? Some of you yanked them down real quick. Oh, no, no. Get them back up. These are instruments of righteousness. Now you can put them down because some of you got, it's been a while and we have to sell Ben Gay and all that stuff at the end. <clears throat> God gave me these hands as instruments of righteousness. Now just take just a moment and think about what have, what have I involved my hands in that was not righteousness. Now, I probably need to clarify righteousness because we have a misunderstanding. I think we can. Years ago, I used to go to Titusville, Florida at Park Avenue Baptist Church and do training. It was a great place, great place to minister and be ministered to. Peter Lord was the pastor. And Peter Lord asked one Sunday morning if he could get a volunteer from the congregation, a very large church, a couple thousand people. And so this young lady comes down and volunteers. And he gets her up on the stage. And he, and he says, because he was working in the same venue of the scripture, the truth, the, the stream that's there. He said, how many acts of righteousness have you committed today? And she said, none. Now, you got to understand, Peter Lord was an amazing guy. He was from Jamaica. And I don't, Jamaicans don't care or what. But he looked at this young woman and he said, darling, I hate to tell you this, but if you're here today and it's 1130 
and you haven't had any acts of righteousness, then you are not saved. And we need to change our whole course of action in my conversation with you. You can imagine the congregation going, "Mm," you know. But then he went on to explain. He said, I thought you were a, a mom. She says, I am a mom. Well, how many children do you have? I have two children. Who are your children? They're in the children's program here at the church. He goes, so you brought your two children to our church program where they would be ministered to. She goes, well, of course I did. He goes, that's an act of righteousness. He said, well, when they came, were they dressed? Were they clean? And were they fed? She goes, well, of course they were. He goes, darling, those are acts of righteousness. See, somehow we have separated the reality of our God and this world. And if, if, if I'm not, you know, holding my Bible, it's not an act of righteousness. No, when I'm doing it unto the Lord. See, that's why I encourage you, I encourage you, and I'm, I'm going to encourage you more because I'm hearing more and more sad stories of workers who are not working as righteous workers, not working unto the Lord as they should, slacking off, taking advantage of the company as it were. Now, I didn't say your boss or your owner or whatever was doing everything right. That wasn't the point. I didn't even say that. The point is when you put your hands to it, you're putting your hands to the work that honors God, whatever it is. Now, if you're not in the place that God wants you to be, that's a whole other story. You got to work on that. These are instruments of righteousness. Hold them out again. I'm going to keep you. I'm going to keep it here. By the way, David's my friend. He knows I'll pick on him. He has some, he has some stories way back that you guys might want to hear sometime of some of the stuff that he did, he and I did when he was a little, little teenager. These are instruments of righteousness. Now, that's essential that you get that because we're talking about laying on hands. And again, you can, you can put it down now. Just, we'll come back. Let's look at some scripture that relates to this. And as I said, I am certainly not covering all there is. While the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick and various diseases brought them to him. And laying his hands on each one of them, he was healing them. Now, who are we talking about here? Jesus Christ, right? He's in his earthly ministry, and part of his earthly ministry was laying his hands on those who were sick so they could be healed. Now, here's what we need to get. Please get this. God designed and desires human touch. You got that? When COVID came, I'm not sure if you realized that was an attack on the creator and his creation when it was said you need to social distance yourself from all other human beings. You need to wear you need to wear a mask even in your house. Do you understand what an attack that was on what God created and how God intends for his creation to operate? 
So here we are now, two years later, still trying to recover from all that mess. God designed human touch. God desires human touch. Now, let me very, I'm going to be very clear about a couple things here. One is, we are not talking about inappropriate touch between male and female. Okay? Just so you know. Years ago, one of our ladies was getting ready for a medical procedure that involved female stuff. And she was one of those folks you could just cut up with. And she and I were talking. I said, I promise you there's no laying on of hands. And she said, you're right. There isn't. You know, people with a brain know this stuff. You know, there's boundaries. But at the same time, I'm not sure you know this. In God's incredible design between a man and a woman, the ultimate upload, download, better than any computer that was ever invented or ever will be, was intercourse. So why do you think it's so important when God says it's only between a woman, excuse me, a husband and a wife? Because when you step outside of that, you have opened yourself up to a royal mess. And we're dealing with it day after day after day after day. Can I say to this crowd who's gathered here, would you please smarten up and quit letting the enemy have his way in your life in that area of your life? Just stop it. You say, oh, but I can't. Yes, you can. This stuff is really crucial and important. Jesus touched the folks, and through the power of God, through his life, they were healed. Today, we're his body. We're the body of Christ. And so as we touch folks, they should be healed. Let me give you another one. Therefore, brethren, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Spirit and of wisdom, whom we may put in charge of this task. Now, i got to tell you, see, as I'm going through this message, I'm thinking, well, there's, there's controversial stuff here. This was the apostles, and as they were having all the folks there in Jerusalem, and they're trying to take care of everybody, and people were being neglected in the service that they needed, including food, The apostles are praying before God, and they said, here's the plan. Here's what God's given us. Get seven guys that are good report and of the Spirit, full of Spirit and wisdom, and we'll let them do this. What are they talking about? They're talking about serving people, ministering to people, helping people, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word, and the statement found approval with the whole congregation. Now, let me tell you how that smacks against our tradition today. If the pastor don't do it, it ain't done. Have you taken the time to read the Word of God? It was never by God intended to be as it has become a one-man band or a one-person show. When that phone rings for someone's emergency, and we're going to talk about the end of the service because we have one that took place this week. 
when that phone rings, it shouldn't matter whether it's me or you that goes to minister to that person. It should all be done in the power of God. Are we listening? Are we hearing? Because, and my aunt and uncle are now deceased. They were amazing, wonderful Christian people. Bob and Phyllis Bishop. And I went to visit them after my aunt had had surgery and was in the hospital. And I got, these were my favorite relatives. They they really were. When I did their funerals, I don't think I've ever wept that much at funerals. And and I, I had to apologize to the congregation because every time I'd go to say something about them, I would just burst out in tears during their services. That's the incredible relationship that God gave me with them through the years. They never had a son. They had three daughters, and so I was kind of their adopted son. But I remember visiting them after my aunt, my aunt had had surgery. And when I walked into their home, my uncle was, he was in a tizzy. Bob Bishop didn't get in tizzies. Uh, he just didn't. He was retired Air Force. He was just one of those even kill guys, you know, just did it, got it done. But he was upset. I said, Uncle Bob, what's the problem? He goes, it's our, it's our pastor. I'd never heard this man speak ill of a pastor in all the years I'd known him. I said, what are you talking about? What, what's wrong with your pastor? He goes, he says, he came to the hospital when your aunt was getting ready to have surgery. I said, okay, that's good. But he said, but he never prayed. I said, ooh. I said, let me ask you a question. He said, what's that? I said, did you? Well, of course I did. That's my, you know. I said, let me tell you something. Uncle Bob, I love you. And he knew that I did. It is not just your pastor's job to pray for your wife. It is not just a pastor's job to pray for anybody and everybody everywhere. It's all our jobs. You're all ministers in the kingdom of God if you know Christ. That's why these fundamental basic teachings are so crucial that you have them so that you know when something comes up that you are equipped to do the things. Now, understood, somebody who's been doing this for a long time, I've been doing it for over 50 years, well, right at 50 years now. I've learned some things that you may not know. And I understand that because I get the privilege, and I understand this, I get the privilege of spending every day studying the Word of God. In fact, my son likes to be a little smart. And I'll say, and I call him in the morning, how you doing? You know, yada, yada. On the way to work, yeah, dad, dad you on the way to work. Yeah. And he goes, well, what's your rush? All you do is read the Bible and pray. I said, amen. I'd like for that to be the case. People keep interrupting my Bible reading my prayer, you know. There has to be, for those who are leading any group of people in Christ, a devotion time to prayer and ministry of the Word. There has to be. Otherwise, when you come in here on Sunday, you'll get fodder, not food. You guys get that? So if I'm not always there when you think I ought to be there, or Bill, or, or whomever... If we send somebody else or ask somebody else to go or somebody else is already there, praise God. Praise God. What a blessing this congregation people are that this happens. I'm sharing this because I understand that some of you were raised in a tradition where that wasn't the case. And I get it. Now, again, you'll look at how God orchestrates and brings leaders to the surface. And we're going to talk about that a little bit too. <clears throat> but in the meantime... 
It says here, do the ministry. Do the work. And remember, these are what? Instruments of righteousness. And so they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Pacrius, and Nicaira, Nicanor, Timon, Parnesius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch. These were the guys. Of all the people gathered, these were the ones that, and what was the qualification? Wisdom and the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what, very carefully here, you need to listen to this. If you do not have leaders who are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are in deep, deep, deep trouble. That is a fact. I'm talking about not just the church, but even the world. And we can all see how obvious that becomes. So now we're moving on. These guys have been in prayer, they've been in the Word, they've been ministering. And these they brought before the apostles, and after praying, they laid hands on them for them to be healed. See, the ministry of Christ continues in the body of Christ through the apostles, and it continues until this day. But notice also how this worked. As they were now expanding, the ministry is expanding. The, the word of God is, is being presented. The kingdom of God is being expanded. So now there was at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who were called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. So these guys are there. The ministry is going on. Now remember Saul, Paul, while they were ministering to the Holy Spirit, to the Lord, and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to do. You see how the Holy Spirit is orchestrating all this? When we are, excuse me, Excuse me. When we are surrendered to the Holy Spirit, when He is filling us, all this stuff works. The reason the church is in such chaos and confusion today is because the Holy Spirit doesn't have its place. Let me just make it real simple. God is a God of order. So if there's chaos and confusion in the church, it's because the Holy Spirit doesn't have its place. That's why people are fussing and fighting always, because it's all about the flesh. I want it, I want it now, I want it my way. What a mess. We don't have to have that, thank God. So they're sent out. They're called according to a purpose. Barnabas and Saul and others who were going with them. Then when they had fasted and prayed, they laid their hands on them and they sent them out. What are they doing? The healing instruments of righteousness. Those who are to serve locally instruments of righteousness those who are to spread the good news in the kingdom of god all this the laying of hands the instruments of righteousness this is crucial sadly not always practiced then he goes to timothy paul does in his writing he says and do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through the prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery or is he saying, as the leaders gather around you and recognizing God's anointing upon your life, Timothy, and we laid our hands on you to symbolize the very presence of God and also to transfer to you the power of God, don't neglect it. Don't neglect it. Stay at it. 
Do the work. Now, I messed up, and I forgot to put a scripture in, so you have to pull your Bibles out, pull your phones out, whatever you got. First Timothy <clears throat> chapter 5, verse 22. It is, I think, important for me to share this with you as we finish this message today. I know we have the Bible, the verses on the script, up on the Bible scripture up on the uh, screen, but it's good to bring your Bible. Like I say, sometimes you want to read the context and also. And I know a lot of you use your phone. First Timothy five twenty two. Now this fits in the context. I'm, I'm going to do a little expanded translation here, but it fits in the context of leaders and all the things related to laying out of hands. You'll see how that works. Do not. Now, everything we've said so far is lay on hands, right? Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily. There's a caution flag on the play, folks. And thus share responsibility for their sins of others, for the sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. Hmm. Okay, so we got... Laying on hands for healing, laying on hands for leaders, laying on hands for those being sent out. And now Paul, in the same book that he talks about the laying on hands for Timothy, he says, but Timothy, there's a caution. I've had a little pushback over the years on this one. Because here's, here's the thing. Listen carefully. When someone needs prayer, they need people who are Truly utilizing the instruments of righteousness. Hold those out again. Let's see. Now, if in, if in my life there's a lot of unrighteousness, if there's sin that I've tucked away and I've kind of, you know, well, you know, God hadn't really convicted me of it. Nobody's caught me at it. And so I'm going to kind of do it. If, if that stuff's there. Okay, you can take them down now. If that stuff's there, guess what? It gets transferred you know, that's why in James it says, when you are sick and you come and call for the altars for prayer, you do what? You confess your sin. <laughs> this just got really sticky, didn't it? Because everybody wants to rush and put hands on somebody to pray for them. But my point is, just as the scripture is, don't be so hasty about that. One, it's like communion. You don't just come in and grab the cup and chuck it. You come in and examine yourself before God, just like we did last week. Am I, am I where I'm supposed to be with God? See, this is, not, this is not a softball league or some social club. If you think it is, this ain't it. This is the house of God. I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about us and the reality of God and his Holy Spirit living in us every day. So it doesn't matter if it happens here as we lay hands on somebody and pray for them or we do it in the aisle in Walmart. It makes no difference. These are still instruments of righteousness to be used by the power and the presence of God for his glory. And if I keep putting my hands in stuff they ought not be in. I pray to God he brings conviction and transformation. For all of us, not just you. I pray that all the time for me. 
We can all fall into it. So, it's talking here really about leaders in this particular chapter, and it's the idea is that you don't want to anoint a leader and lay hands on them too quickly if they're too immature because it brings problems, and I can attest to that because we've done that um, over the years, sadly. But all this is to say to us as we pray together as brothers and sisters in Christ, children of God, being instruments of righteousness for his kingdom in this place and throughout our world, our world being where we live, where we work, where we uh, are involved in other people's lives, then we are there as instruments, using these instruments of righteousness. We are instruments of righteousness, but we're using our hands and touching that person for the glory of God. So, let's exercise. Lecture in lab, as Mark said. I like it. I'm not checking my emails. I'm checking my texts. And you'll see why. This week, Jonathan Mullins was injured at a, in a work accident that ended up being of such a nature that his leg was amputated, his right leg was amputated below the knee. That was on Friday. I think it was Friday. Yep, Friday. He's coming home today. That's what I was just checking. I'd asked Tori to let me know if he was still going to be able to come home. And he is. And yesterday I received a text, which I'm so grateful that this was someone being acutely mindful of the situation. Said, can we not have special prayer for Jonathan in the morning? And the answer is, Absolutely. Of course we can. So having heard the message, and even though he's not here today, and we're not physically physically going to put our hands on him, it's still the same thing. As we're praying for someone, we want to first examine our lives. And, and please, 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 please don't get this where you get so morbid about your introspection that you walk around and say, oh, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good, I'm no good, I can't pray for them. No, that's not what this is about. That's right, communion. Communion is, I'm just saying, Lord, show me what there is, what, whatever you show me, I confess, I repent of it, I move on, let's get on with life. Let's <clears throat> not hang around in some, you know, mud puddle, walling around like a dirty old nasty pig. We are sheep, not pigs. You may not know the difference, but I do, because I grew up on the farm. <clears throat> it's important. So everybody stand, please. And don't be hasty, but please be involved. Don't let what I just said to you stop you from doing what God wants you to do. That's not the whole point. The whole point is to do it the way God wants it done. That's why this message is so absolutely critical. So take some moments here. Just say, Lord, Holy Spirit, shine your light in me. Something in me that's not of you. A relationship that's not as it ought to be. Confess it, repent of it. One of the big issues in church today is that mark that Frankie talked about earlier, the mark of love, where we love each other, doesn't mean that we condone sin. We love each other in such a way that we're available to people, we can help them, we can pray for them, intercede for them. So now God help us in this. To do this unto you and to
take these instruments of righteousness and be grateful. God, grateful that you choose to use us in this process. What an amazing blessing that is. I'm, I, I can't tell you how thrilled I am, God, how many times you've allowed me to lay hands on people or touch people or just do those things that you just said, just do this and, and watch what you've done in them. And, and all I am is just there available to you. And, and I've watched this with many, many, many other people through the years. So thank you, God, today, this time as we pray for John and for Tori, Lord, for their lives of this transformation they're in now. And taking some time, just asking the Holy Spirit, shine the light in. Show me what's there. And as you feel the freedom to do that, just come down front. We're going to absolutely have some movement toward this praying for John and for Tori. So as you get to that place, just come on down.